Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. I'm really speaking today to anyone who, as a Christian, has stumbled and fallen. And maybe you've thought as a result of that, that not only did you let the Lord down, but maybe you feel like, you know, you, you have just utterly failed Him. So, you know, if you happen to feel like that, this is what I want you to know. You are not alone. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his series, Jesus Encounters. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19, as he examines an encounter between Jesus and those who falter. Now, here's Pastor Brian. I've been anticipating this teaching, and I knew it would be the final one that we do, but I've been anticipating it mainly because I think that it is something that is so incredibly relevant to so many, because uh, we all fail at times. We all falter, and I think the tendency when we do that is to think that God's finished with us, or, you know, we become disqualified, and, you know, that's, that's the end of it. But what we see in this story here with Jesus and Peter, we see something different. And so I'm really speaking today to anyone uh, who, as a Christian, has stumbled and fallen. And, you know, maybe you've, you've thought as a result of that, that not only did you let the Lord down, but maybe you feel like, you know, you, you have just utterly failed him. And because of your failure, you've perhaps just felt, you know, you, you felt ashamed at your failure. And you've thought, you know, I, I, it's even hard to think about praying. It's even hard to think about like moving ahead in following Christ because of, of the shame that's attached to your failure. You know, you feel like God, of course, just, you know, probably wouldn't want you any longer in the sense of, you know, serving him because after all, you know, you, you really let him down. So, you know, if you happen to feel like that, this is what I want you to know. You are not alone. Many have been in that place, including the illustrious apostle Peter. Peter was there. That was his experience And of course, this story is told to us, you know, for many reasons, for sure. Of course, it happened. That's one of the main reasons why it's told. But but it's put here in God's word, I believe, to give us hope, to give hope to those who fail, to show us what Jesus thinks about those who falter, to show us how he treats and receives back and restores even those who fail. But for us to to fully appreciate all that happens in the account that we read together, we need to back up a little bit into the history. So on the night that Jesus was betrayed, there, John records it for us in the 14th chapter of this gospel, 
Jesus was speaking to his disciples there in that upper room, and he, he told them that he was going to go away. And Simon Peter said to Jesus, he said, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. And that is exactly what ended up happening. Peter says, Lord, I'm, what do you mean I can't? I, I'll, fo I'll follow you anywhere. Uh, you know, basically Peter's saying, Lord, I, you know, I'm your most loyal follower. Jesus says, really? Well, tonight you're actually gonna deny me. Now, as we look at the story, it was true. Before the rooster crowed, Peter did do that very thing. And after the final denial, after Peter swore with an oath, I do not know this man. No, I, I don't, I'm not one of his disciples. After Peter did that, Luke tells us that he and Jesus locked eyes. And so the very last thing, the very last experience that Peter has with Jesus is that of having just denied him and having seen Jesus looking into his eyes. Then Jesus was led away to be crucified. And it says that Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Man, and we can understand that, right? Can you imagine what the anguish that Peter must have felt at that moment? And the confusion and everything that he would have been experiencing at that moment. Now, we pick up the story here in verse 15. And as we pick up the story, what we are going to see is we're going to see ultimately the restoration and the recommissioning of Peter. So the first thing we see is Jesus speaking to Peter. Then we see Peter responding back to Jesus. And then we see from the whole exchange how the Lord deals with those who falter, with those who fail. So that's how we're going to look at it. So look in verse 15. It says, so when they had eaten breakfast. So remember the setting. They're on the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And... Um, Jesus has, you know, they were out fishing and, you know, now Jesus has prepared a fire and breakfast for them. And so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, so here's the moment and what happens. So Jesus, he looks at him and he says this, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And the response of Peter, of course, is, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, Jesus asked Peter this same question three times. And how many times had Peter denied Jesus? Three times. So here in this, we see the Lord giving Peter this beautiful opportunity to reaffirm his love. Just as he denied him three times, he now gives him the opportunity to reaffirm his love. But there's something that's very interesting here that the English translation doesn't necessarily bring out for us, but I think it's a key to what's happening here. So Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But here's the thing. Jesus uses one Greek word for love. Peter uses a different one in response. So Jesus uses the word that many of us are familiar with, the word agape. 
Now, when we think of agape or when we describe agape love, I think, you know, most of us understand, okay, we're talking about the greatest love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's the agape love. So Jesus says, in essence, to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than any else? Do you love me in a greater way than, than anything else? Peter, do you have that greatest, highest, deepest love for me? And Peter says, Lord, you know that I am fond of you. Peter uses a different Greek word. He uses the word phileo. Now, phileo is a good word, and it's a word that's used often of love. It's a word for brotherly love. But it's not that, it doesn't carry that in intensity that agape has. So what Peter is doing is he's basically saying, Lord, you know that I'm fond of you. What we see with Peter is we see a broken man. We see a humbled man. We see a man who now realizes that, no, he doesn't love Jesus more than anybody else. He thought that he did, but, but his life experience has now proved that, that he did not. So he says, Lord, you know that I phileo you, which is translated sometimes, Lord, you know that I'm fond of you. That's the best Peter could come up with. But that was right because that was really the truth about Peter. Now, as we go on, and let me just pick up here reading where Jesus says, do you love me more than these? He said, Lord, you know that I love you. You know that I'm fond of you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I am fond of you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now, Jesus changes the word here. So Jesus says twice, do you agape me? Peter says, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. I phileo you. Now, the third time, Jesus says to him, Simon, do you phileo me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you phileo me? This is why Peter is grieved. Peter is grieved because Jesus has condescended down to the lower level of love for Peter's sake. And it's like Peter, you know, if you could just sort of, again, put yourself with Peter, he's like, oh, you know, to see how Jesus comes down to his level. Like he has to, he can't rise to that higher love. Jesus has got to come down. But that's what Jesus does. So, okay. Are you fond of me truly? That's okay. Jesus, Jesus condescends to that place with him. And here we see in this whole account, we see Jesus working out this restoration in the life of Peter. Now, what we have here is, is a restoration and a recommissioning. And those are two separate things. See, the restoration is to fellowship between the man and God. The recommissioning is a reappointing to service. And we, we can't confuse those two things because if we do, we will find ourselves in trouble. You know, sometimes people put the big emphasis on, on what they're doing for God. You know, there are people that are ostensibly doing things for God, but their fellowship with God is completely down the tubes. They, they don't even have any real fellowship with God, but they're still doing a bunch of things. And they're kind of 
resting in that. Well, I, you know, I'm doing all this stuff for God. Everything must be okay. But that's not necessarily the case. Jesus is first and foremost interested in personal restoration. And until there's personal restoration, there really is going to be no divine recommissioning. But the Lord has both things in mind. And we see that here with Peter. And so Jesus, having brought him through the restoration process, he then recommissions, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. In other words, Peter, this is what I've called you to do. My calling has not been withdrawn. My purposes for you have not been thwarted through your failure. Let's keep moving forward. Now, what we see in this, as I've already said, and what we've drawn out of all of these different teachings is the application for us today. And just as Peter faltered, there are many that have faltered, many in the church, many of God's people. I would venture to say that there are thousands of people in this very county that we live in who today are no longer in fellowship. They're no longer serving the Lord because they've faltered, they've fallen, they've sinned, and they've thought there was no way back. They thought there was no mercy. They didn't think that the Lord would extend a gracious hand to them. And maybe they've just succumbed to the, to the lie of the devil, or maybe there have been uh, other people that have sort of helped perpetuate that. Whatever the case, I am certain that there are many that would be in a similar place and as I've said, he restores and he recommissions. Those are the goals of Jesus for his fallen servants. Like I've already said, and I want to emphasize again, Jesus is for us. He's for our restoration. He's for our recommissioning into something. He is for that. And he's first and foremost for the restoration. I want to make a distinction between the two things. You see, the most important thing is that we be restored to our fellowship with him, right? That's the most important thing. Sometimes people aren't getting these two things in their proper order. Sometimes there's not the, the effort to really get reconciled to Jesus by really repenting. But see, before, before there's the recommissioning of Peter, there's the repentance of Peter that Jesus brings out in that questioning. Do you love me? Well, Lord, you know that I'm fond of you. That's Peter's repentance. He's, he's taking responsibility for his actions. And that's what we all must do. When we failed the Lord, you know, the, the best thing anybody could ever do when they failed the Lord is just simply say, Lord, I failed. Instead of, well, Lord, you don't understand. You know, there, there, somebody else actually kind of, you know, we need to put the blame over somewhere else. You remember two people in the Old Testament who failed God? One was named Saul. The other was named David. And you look at Saul and David, and they both failed God in pretty severe ways. And the prophet came to Saul and, and called him on his failure. And Saul says, it's not my fault. I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much what he said. It's not my fault. It's the people. The people were the one. I was just doing what the people said. So Saul takes no responsibility. And he has no restoration in his relationship with God. David commits horrible sin. The sin with Bathsheba. The prophet comes to him and calls him on his sin. And David says, I've sinned. I've sinned. It's me. I, I am guilty before God. You see, that's the big difference. That's what changes everything. When we fail, 
the first step, of course, Jesus extends, like I said, that olive branch to us right away, but our response has to be taking responsibility. Yes, Lord, I, I, I have failed. Peter, do you agape me? No, Lord, I don't. I, I phileo you. See, he's, he's taking the responsibility. He's acknowledging the sin, but that's what brings about the restoration. See, that's what happens. And that's where everything begins again. When the restoration takes place, then the recommissioning can also occur. And this is up to God. You know, I have heard people say, and I've thought through this a lot myself, you know, um, you know, again, just using an, an illustration that we're unfortunately too familiar with, but a pastor who, you know, falls to adultery or, or something like that. Uh, the question is, can they ever be restored to that position again? And, you know, I don't think there's one pat answer for that. I think what you have to do is you have to look at, first of all, is there genuine repentance? And then secondly, what is, what is God saying in this? Because it would be easy, and I know that I have thought this thing myself, it would be easy just to say, no, you know, they've done this and therefore there's, there's no, that, that, that's, that's it. They're, they're done with that. And, and that might be true, but it might not be true because it comes down to what, you know, God is going to do something that is his thing, even if it doesn't make sense to us necessarily at times. And let me ask you this. Do you think that Peter had any hope that he'd be able to continue in his calling as an apostle? I don't think he did because Peter denied Jesus. And Jesus said, and Peter had heard him say numerous times, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father in heaven. Oh man. I don't think there was any hope in Peter's mind at all. Now, I, I think he hoped in God's mercy that he would be forgiven and be able to be, you know, in favor with God again. But, but I don't think for a minute Peter thought, you know, we're going to get through this and, you know, I'm going to go back to my apostleship. I don't think he thought that. I think Peter thought, man, I denied Jesus. I swore with an oath that I didn't even know him. I, I'm done. I think Peter probably thought that. And even if he didn't think that, entirely, I'm sure of this, Satan would be right there whispering in his ear to try to snuff out any hope whatsoever. But you see, Jesus did not only restore Peter to fellowship, he recommissioned him to service. And this is the thing, God, it's his prerogative to do that if he chooses to do it. But of course, when God does it, the repentance will proceed the recommissioning. God doesn't take people who are still in their sin. And if you're denying your sin, then you're actually still in it. He doesn't take those people and put them back in a place. Now, sometimes people get themselves back into that place, but it's only, it just goes from bad to worse at that point. But when there's a genuine repentance, like we see with Peter, then there is, as we also see with Peter, a full restoration. We see that Jesus is full of grace and truth. And so, here's the question. Have you failed the Lord? Have you faltered in some way? Have you denied him? Maybe in word, maybe in deed. Now, of course, every single one of us, if we're honest, we would have to say, 
to the question, have you failed the Lord? Yes, <laughs> I have failed the Lord. But, you know, there, there are levels of severity, right? So, you know, we would all have to admit that, yes, to some degree, we failed the Lord. But then others would have to say, no, I really failed the Lord. No, I, I sinned. I, I did this knowing full well what I was doing. And, you know, like Peter, no, I denied Jesus. And as a result of that, perhaps you've thought that there's no hope for future blessing or fruitfulness. Like Peter, perhaps you find it just impossible to believe that God could ever really use you again. But I want you to think again about that because this is the way of Jesus with those who falter. And the message of God's grace is that there is an unlimited supply of grace for those who, who receive it through repentance. For those who take responsibility and just say, Lord, I have sinned, or Lord, I, I'm fond of you. No, I don't, I don't. I wish I could say that I love you with that intense love, but Lord, I can't. But for that person, for that broken person, for that heart that acknowledges, then there's just an endless supply of God's grace that comes to do for us what we might not even imagine being possible, that we would be brought back into that beautiful fellowship and that we would even be allowed to go out and serve the Lord again. And so I want to close with just this reminder that this is the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is always to work toward our restoration and our recommissioning. And the recommissioning might be, it might be different than it was previously, but there's still that opportunity to go forward in service to Christ in some way as he would lead. But we need to know that. We need to know that for ourselves, but we also need to know it for other people because we're gonna run into all kinds of people as we go through life who have failed. And because they didn't understand God's grace or it wasn't extended toward them or whatever reason, they, that failure has, has driven them away. And it's, it's driven them to the conclusion that there is no longer any hope, but that isn't true. And we can tell them it isn't true. And we can point them to John chapter 21 and say, hey, look at this. Look what Jesus did for the man who denied that he even knew him. He forgave him and restored him. And Peter went on, as we all know, to great things in his future. The first one to really publicly proclaim the gospel on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls were added to the church that day and becomes a pillar in the, that early church. He writes uh, two of the epistles. And of course, we all know, everybody almost knows, anybody who knows the name of Jesus also knows the name of the apostle Peter. And we know that he was a man who failed, but we also know that he was a man who was a recipient of God's grace and was restored. And the story of Peter is a story of anyone who has failed but will repent.
And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. One of my favorite newer authors is Rebecca McLaughlin. She wrote the book Confronting Christianity a few years back, which was the book of the year at the time. And she's done a new book called Confronting Jesus. And in it, she is looking at nine encounters that people had with Jesus and answering really important questions that people are asking today. So I can't recommend Rebecca enough. She just does an excellent job. And I know you're going to appreciate this book, Confronting Jesus, by Rebecca McLaughlin. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Confronting Jesus, Nine Encounters with a Hero of the Gospels by Rebecca McLaughlin. You can order the book Confronting Jesus by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Confronting Jesus by Rebecca McLaughlin. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we begin a new series in the book of Colossians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.